Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 477 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023, and John Shire has his first victory over a Coach K, a fellow Coach K protege. Duke wins against Pittsburgh in Cameron Indoor Stadium, a big comeback victory, 77 to 69. We are here to talk about that. I am Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I am back home in Cambridge, and I am joined, as always, by Donald Wine and Jason Evans. Jason, it's not an emergency show, but we are recording right afterwards. So uh, give me give me the, the vibe of your watching this game uh, before we actually get into the details. I'm so glad you asked me this because the first half, I was like slumped on the couch. I mean, I'll be honest, it was it was an ugly situation in the Evans household. I was I was barely moving. And the second half, I suddenly found myself I, I was standing up. I was I found myself out of breath because I was pacing while watching the game. I don't I don't normally do that except for like NCAA tournament, UNC games, maybe an ACC tournament game. I was I was as engaged in the second half of this game as I have been, you know, in any game since the final four last year. It was really I don't know why, but I, it felt like a big, big moment for these Blue Devils. It did feel like a big game tonight. Donald, what was your status for this game? So I was having dinner with some friends, so I was kind of delayed in starting the game. So the funny thing is, I don't know if you guys have YouTube TV, but YouTube TV has this feature where if you're catching up to a game that's still being played live, you can catch up via what they're called key plays. And so I said, oh, I'll catch up to the game and I'll obviously watch the first half in detail after the game is over. So I just watched the key plays to catch up to the live point, which was maybe a minute left in the first half. They had 13 plays that they said you should watch to get a feel of how this game was going. Ten of them were pit plays. So that tells you how the first half was going. Let me tell you. Only 10? Only (laughs) Only 10 out of 13. That's a a very low percentage number uh, for Duke. But the second half, I know we're going to talk about it, but the second half gave me reason to believe that this team has the fight and the grit to still maintain and be one of the top teams in the ACC. And I am going to tell you the way that I consumed this game, which is that it was blacked out on my TV. I had uh, set myself up to to have a great time watching this game. I had gone to yoga class right before this. Uh, I was home. I was feeling very good. I sat down. Turns out, ESPN, uh, whatever ACC network was not available on the ESPN login that I have a hold of on my TV at home. So I have not watched a minute of this game. Uh, oh, we are, <laughs> we are, I'm going to admit this to, Those to you gang guys. regional blackouts. I'm going to admit this to you guys and to the audience that I haven't watched a second of this game. Uh, I am looking at the box score. I am hosting this episode. So we are going to do this bad boy. NPR style, where I am going to interview the two of you and ask you about the game, uh, pretending whether or not this is the case, that I know nothing other than some very basic facts, which is the box scores that I can obtain. Uh, I need well, to I need to also before before we begin, I need to shout out both uh, ESPN stats as well as Ken Palm, because they show you different things immediately after the game ends. ESPN has the game flow live. Ken Palm does not. However, for some reason, the ESPN box scores do not immediately have the minutes counts, which Ken Palm does. So between those two things, I wish I had the uh, Ken Palm uh, win probability chart. Yeah, 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 the win probability. 
I'm going to uh, talk about that. <laughs> not available immediately after the game. I imagine that takes some some work to process. I know there are some aspects of his of his work that that have to get like manually processed overnight. So that's not available at least as of the last time I refreshed the page a few minutes ago. Shout out to Duke's uh, live stats that they do because they usually keep track of the uh, minutes as well during the game. But there's usually a brief like 10 minute period after the game where the live stats are gone and the stats that they put up do not have the minutes played. But tonight they did. So shout out to them. I don't know how they got it up as quickly as they did, but they were able to get it up almost immediately after the game. So I, I want the audience to understand. Sam has not seen the game. Donald only saw 13 plays from the first half. It's no, no, no. Jason I saw the I saw show, the whole game. Baby. I saw the whole game. It's the no, no. Jason show. <laughs> no, no. I saw the whole game. I caught up to live by watching the key stat key plays, and then I watched the first half after the game was over. Uh, okay. Okay. So All I've right. seen everything. I just it's not it, the it Jason was, show. <laughs> it was pulp, it was pulp fiction style. I watched the second half, then the key plays in the first half. That's how I that's how I did it. Are we about to pretend that this program is not always the Jason show? <laughs> <laughs> I, truth, I, I, speak the I truth, baby. I don't need to look. <laughs> I talk so much in the rest of my life. You know, it's one of, I love one of the things I love about doing this program is that I can come here and just listen to other people talk about Duke basketball because no one wants to talk to me about Duke basketball. So it's it's actually a it's a net benefit for me, uh, even Wait, though don't I don't. People, people in don't people come up to you? I, I literally when people hear my name, if they're a Duke fan, I'm amazed at how often they go. Wait. You're you're one of the podcast guys and they want to talk to me. It's fun. I love it. Do you do you have a name that's as common as Sam Klein? <laughs> Jason Evans is every bit as common. I as don't Sam I Klein. don't think yeah, so. Come on, man. If, OK, <laughs> yeah. so if, so if I Google you, do you show up in the first page uh, of Google results? Well, yeah, but I'm. I mean, I'm a journalist. I guess so you're I, a journalist. Yeah. So it's different. <laughs> if you Google Sam written. Klein, I, mean, I don't I, I don't appear. I've written. I've written dozens, uh, hundreds of articles for CNN and the Wall Street Journal. You're a learned scholar. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I have so, the most uncommon name of the three of us. Guys, uh, we because... need to talk about this game. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with Oh, silliness. yeah. I'll do, I'll do silliness anytime you want. Duke wins 77 to 69. The halftime score was 43 to, thir- 43 to 32 in favor of the Panthers. And then Duke comes up in the second half and almost doubles Pitt's score to reach this final outcome. So we're going to start with the headlines. I will let the two of you go first, and then I will tell you what the listeners submitted, because uh, it turns out that that people send these headlines immediately after the game, which is super helpful. So, Donald, you're going to go first. Give me your headline from this game. I, I know we had a bunch come in right after the final whistle or the final horn sounded, so I think mine is probably going to fall in line with some of them but mine is duke flips the script in second half comeback against Pitt. yeah you copied exactly two other listeners <laughs> see <laughs> so so good job uh jason what did you have youth was served young stars lead blue devil comeback this this win even though i'm going to talk about our experience guys a little bit this win was really the youngsters so the ones that i liked that i pulled out uh, Jeffrey Lamb sent us Tyrese Proctor's Duke's latest test. I like that. <laughs> that was clever. <laughs> My man. Uh, Tom Wildermuth sent us from head scratch to fist bumps. And then he also added devils thrash their way back in second half. But I loved from head scratch to fist bumps. That I, I liked yeah. that visual. And then Eric Blumenthal sent us Coach K's protege win. Protege wins. 
In other news, Coach K's protege loses. I love that. <laughs> he also <laughs> he sent one. us he actually sent us two good ones. So that was his first one. His second one, uh, and and Eric, I'm I I need you, uh, buddy, to uh, spell John Shire's name correctly. But he gave us second half John Shire out coaches the hell out of first half John Shire, uh, which which I thought Fair. was also a nice a nice yeah. headline. So uh, those are those are your summaries. We've got Filipowski in there. We've got. Tyrese Proctor in there. We've got John Shire's coaching acumen covered in there. So let's start with the good. As as we mentioned, uh, it was a tale of two halves for Duke. Jason, uh, tell me about, I, and I, I will ask you about this a little bit because I am just looking at, at box scores. Sure. I see that Kyle Filipowski appears to have returned to form. Uh, one of wow, his yes. biggest statistical outputs in a Duke uniform, and Tyrese Proctor also has one of his best, at least shooting nights, and also tacks on five assists, which is a very nice uh, nice look for him. So tell me about Kyle Filipowski or Tyrese Proctor to kick us off in the good. I mean, I could spend a long time on both of those guys. I'll start with Flip. 28 and 15, like you said, his biggest um, his biggest game easily of, of the whole season of his young career. I, I do want to point out, I mean, his dribbling was a problem in the first half. <laughs> the dude kept on dribbling into traffic and kept on losing the ball. And I was tearing my damn hair out. But, uh, so, you know, in the second half, both in the first and the second, but really in the second half, he took over. And and the, the thing that I noticed about this game related to Filipowski, it felt like, especially in the second half, Duke became the team they were early in the season. The team that the team that almost beat Kansas at Kansas, by the way, Kansas considered arguably the best team in the country right now. The team that was, you know, in everyone's top ten, and and that we were so excited about, and and they've regressed in the past month. But this was this was Duke getting back to what they do great, and the two things that they did great early in the season was one, Kyle Filipowski took over games, and two. They crush teams. I mean, crush them on the offensive boards. Sam, I know you want to talk about that elsewhere, but there's no way to to discuss this game, to discuss the good, without talking about the offensive rebounding. We 24 offensive rebounds. We got almost 56 percent of the missed shots. We got. Uh, we're, uh, I'm I'm saying that poorly. We got 56 percent of our missed shots. That's an unbelievable offensive rebounding number. And that's the whole reason that we crushed Pitt in the second half. I know you guys want to talk more about the offensive rebounding. Go ahead. Go for it. Well, so Filipowski has four offensive rebounds. Mark Mitchell has four offensive rebounds. Ryan Young, it appears, pulled down seven offensive rebounds. So not his not his best sort of scoring output, merely seven points for uh, a starter, a, a center who who now starts for Duke, given that Lively has been has been put on the bench. So, Donald, maybe before we get to Proctor, let's stay with the big men and the rebounding margin. Talk to me a little bit about Ryan Young's night on the offensive glass next to Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell. I don't think I can sum it up better by kind of repeating what, uh, via lip reading, obviously, what Jeff Capel said to Ryan Young in the handshake line after the game. He said, you play damn hard out there because he did. I mean, he was all over the place. Uh, just, did, just wait. Did yeah, Jeff Capel give Ryan Young the Coach K heart pat? He did. He gave, he kind of gave like a little yes, yes. That has that has trickled down to the to the proteges. Uh, I believe uh, I saw uh, John Shire also giving a couple of 
of uh you know those chest chest pads the, as the, well. the stop and, the and like extra extra sentence of good job young man yeah but he i mean he played like a monster out there i mean there was the one play in the second half where uh, he got the rebound by like diving towards the sideline grabs the loose ball somehow figures out a way to like plant himself while horizontal on the ground and not how did go he out not of go out of bounds and then throw the how ball did he not to go out Brandison. of bounds donald yeah i don't know and then at the end he gets back up the ball so uh, flip takes a shot he misses it ryan young somehow gets off the floor goes right around and grabs the rebound and puts it back and gets fouled in the process so he had to go to the line and make his his, his uh, free throws but man that energy is everything these guys listen to our podcast by the way uh our preview for pit where we said energy needs to be there and that their offensive rebound has been lacking in conference. They have done, uh, they did all of that in, in this game, 24 rebounds. The energy was there. Uh, you know, Kyle Filipowski was physical. He talked about that in his, in his pregame press conference. He said he needs to be more physical and that these guys are coming with an extra set of physicality. He was not ready for man's was ready tonight. So these guys really took what they needed to do to heart. And they went out there and made it happen. And I I know John Shire talked about this in the postgame press tonight. You couldn't really hear it on the broadcast, but Cameron was lit. And that second half, as that, you know, comeback happened, and as they took the lead, Cameron was at a level that John Shire said he has not seen yet all season. And that energy there is what put him over the top. Well, this was, I think, the first game when the students are back. So that, yes, first, that, they, game, yeah. that I think, yep. makes it makes a big difference. And on the topic of Ryan Young's big play, I think we heard from multiple listeners via email right after the game that their play of the game was Ryan Young saving the ball, diving on the floor, and then and then getting himself the the opportunity for the shots. Jason, uh, I know that on By the, the way, wait, Sam, Sam, really quick. It is worth noting that immediately after that play by Ryan Young, where he dives on the floor, gets the ball, and then gets the rebound and and has the free throws, Pitt came down, and Pitt's getting desperate at that point. And their best player, Jamarius Burton, goes in the lane and Ryan Young blocks his shot. I mean, like for Ryan Young to have those two sequences at both ends of the floor, it was his best moments in the game and some of his best moments of the entire season. So Ryan Young has a great night. And one of the narratives of Duke's season so far is Ryan Young supplanting Derek Lively in the starting center position. Lively plays 12 minutes tonight. Um, he pulls down a few big rebounds. And I see that he's got a block on his resume. I see that he's got an assist on his resume. Jason, tell me a little bit about Derek Lively's night. I think at this point, we can't expect him at least any time soon to be playing 25 minutes a game, which is what we anticipated early in the season. But if he's giving us 10 to 15 when Ryan Young is the starter and and spelling him for a little bit and being effective, then I think that's good, at least in the short term. Yeah, yeah, and I actually thought Lively had a really nice game. He only played those 12 minutes because he picked up five fouls. I think had he not gotten in so much foul trouble, you would have seen him play more. For for Derek Lively, uh, who has been so maligned by by Duke fans on Twitter and elsewhere over the past couple days, uh, past couple of weeks, really, to have had not a to, game don't, like this. Don't forget, Jason, the uh, DBR email address. Where, yeah, where right. I'm, oh yeah, I am. I am choosing not to read all of the emails uh, out <laughs> loud that we get about Derek Lively because, uh, yeah. folks, we need to we need to try to stay positive. Yeah, I, I thought he had an, an outstanding game. I, I, for a while, I was saying, "Hey, welcome to college basketball, Derek Lively." Uh, for a guy who has endured this withering, withering criticism, 
he turned in one of his best performances. There was a stretch of this game where he was impacting everything at the defensive end of the floor and was actually looking to be a little bit of a threat on offense. And he hit he hit one you know really nice little like hook shot from from the side of the lane. I, he he's not there yet, but we saw glimpses tonight of the way he can make a difference for for Duke and and that two headed monster of Ryan Young and Derek Lively. If, if we get this kind of Derek Lively. That suddenly elevates Duke in in a in a pretty big way because he was he was he was he had not been playable. <laughs> he was more than playable tonight. And and hat tip to him for staying positive and for allowing his confidence to flow because that was really important. Yeah, and also Jason, it wasn't all it wasn't just the fact that he had, you know made a hook shot and and had a couple of dunks. It was the fact that he also was active on offense by passing the ball. I mean, there was a there was a sequence where, again, uh, as we were taking this lead and we're trying to get the momentum, we're up, up to is 54, 52. I want to say, you know, he gets a rebound. He flies down the floor. Someone throws him. I, I think it's Proctor tried to throw him a pass, but it was just a bit too long. Tyree, uh, uh, Derek Lively grabs the ball as he's falling out of bounds underneath the basket and somehow has the wherewithal to kind of turn his body and find Filipowski also driving through the lane for a nasty dunk for a nasty <laughs> dunk. Pitt calls a timeout, and at that point, you kind of said, "Hey, if Duke's going to maintain this run, it's over." Uh, I mean, that was the turning point in in the sense of the momentum. They never relinquished the the lead after that. It was it was Donald, that, pretty much over. So that, that was, was a moment. really good play. That was the moment where I was like, "We're winning this game." I mean, yeah. I know it. It only took it only gave us a four point lead. There was still like oh eight or nine minutes left at least. But I was like, you know, the energy that 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 brought, and the fact that it was. Derek Lively, Tyrese Proctor, these guys who who haven't really been contributing. I was like, we're winning this game. Yeah, and he was active. I mean, on both ends of the floor. And like you said, the fouls kind of were the only reason that he didn't play as much. But even in the first half, he picked up three fouls, right? And he had to sit out. In the second right. half, he actually went quite a bit in the second half without fouling. And then I think he got two fouls in the span of like a minute and a half, and that was it. But it wasn't where he was making dumb mistakes to make a foul. It was active fouls where he's trying to go after a shot or he's trying to you know make a block or make a play so those are kind of ones where you when you look at the course of the game and how he played you you almost take the fouling out you kind of go hey i can i can deal with that because it was about him being that active on the on on both ends of the floor something we haven't seen from Derek lively and i know he's been in this kind of slump but this should hopefully help his confidence donald i want to come back to talking about tyrese proctor so proctor starts again tonight uh, one of the reasons, probably the main reason, is that Jeremy Roach is still out with the injury, uh, and we don't know. I don't think we we know yet exactly when he's coming back. I'm sure it's a a difficult situation that the coaching staff is dealing with, and Proctor Shire has decided to reinsert Proctor as the starter. He has one of his best games, at least statistically, and I, I need to know more about this. Uh, 27 minutes tonight, 14 points on uh, on four of nine shooting, which I think will take. Uh, for for Tyrese Proctor at this point in the season, and most notably, at least that I'm seeing in his line score, five assists and no turnovers, which is a huge improvement and is a great. I mean, that's a that's a great stat line for any point guard, uh, let alone somebody who's had the struggles that Tyrese Proctor has had this season. So, Donald, what was Proctor doing tonight that made it look like he he belonged a little bit more, you know, relative to the way he's he's been playing recently, playing within himself and being confident. I mean, it was you know again. Five five turn or I'm sorry five assists with no turnovers. 
yo, you take that, you take that ratio every day, right? And, and especially we were going to talk about the turnovers uh, in the bad because we had a lot of them, but none of them were coming from the point guard position. So, and there's times where as a point guard, you're going to have to kind of speed up play and make a decision quicker. And it felt like he did that, but the game was at a slow point for him because he was able to, again, make the right decision almost every single time down the court. He, I mean, even some of the shots that he took were open shots that just didn't go in and you kind of say, okay, that's fine. Uh, and again, on a night where a lot of guys didn't shoot well, you know, he felt confident shooting the rock and he also felt comfortable finding his teammates. And, uh, you know, I think this was the most confident game we've seen from him. And I know we, I keep using this word because it's something we haven't had as a team in quite a while, uh, at least for a streak. So I want them to kind of continue to build this confidence in each other. And I know the team now has a lot of confidence in what Tyrese can do on the floor, both on offense and also, you know, Jason, he was, you know, great on the defensive end too. He was locking down some guys. There's, you know, uh, there was times where he was kind of shuffling over to Blake Henson and Blake Henson. I know he had 10 points, but he was under 10 points for most of this, most of this game. It was only late that he, you know, kind of crept into double digits when he's normally leading the team with 16.6 points a game or whatever it is. So he did a good job at, at, it helped defense. He did a good job at on ball guarding. And also when we did fast break points, he was main that he was one of the main reasons why we had so many fast break opportunities. I think we had 21 fast break points, 24 fast break points because of the fact that he was getting the ball and he was going, even if he didn't get the assist, he was finding, you know, he was kind of doing the hockey assist where he'd find the guy who'd find the guy who eventually put the ball in the basket. Look, there are a couple of things about Tyrese Proctor before I get to it. I want to follow up Don. You were talking about defense a little bit. This, this game, especially the second half, uh, it's easy to obsess about the offense because that's where Duke has struggled so much this year. We were outstanding on defense, and it, it, it obviously it wasn't just Proctor. Our big men, Kyle Filipowski and Derek Lively, and to a lesser extent Ryan Young, their ability to switch onto smaller guys. Duke Duke was switching everything, and our bigs would get isolated on one of the pit guards, and the pit guard would be like, "Oh, I'm going to take him now." It did not work at all for them in the second half. Our bigs played outstanding, unbelievable defense in the second half. All right, back to Tyrese Proctor. Sam, the thing you missed by looking at the box score is how clutch Tyrese Proctor was. He hit a bucket with about two and a half minutes left. That was uh, you know, the shot clock was winding down. Pitt had Duke had gone out to a lead. Pitt had clawed it closer. And Proctor hit a hit a shot, a one-handed shot in the lane that was a really difficult shot. And I was taking notes because I have to, you know, especially when we're going to do this right after the game. And I said, that was the biggest basket of, of Tyrus Proctor's young career. One of the toughest shots that he's hit. And he hit it at a at a huge, huge moment. And I was like, wow, great for him. Literally a minute later, I had to revise my note and say, no, wait. <laughs> the basket he hit with one minute left is the biggest shot of his career. For Tyrese Proctor to have been the guy. As the shot clock was winding down, when Duke was clinging to a lead, like a four-point lead, for he to for he for him to be the guy who's like, I'm taking it and I'm taking my man, I'm going in the lane, I'm absorbing contact and finishing was super impressive. It, his confidence has got to be sky high after that. So, so important. And you guys talked a little bit about the assists in the first half. He had a pick and roll with Derek Lively, where Lively came out, picked for him, and and Proctor threw the lob to Lively and Lively threw it down. Where, where, where has that been for the past month? I, I am baffled why that play Duke should run that play a half dozen times a game at a minimum because Proctor runs it really well. 
and Lively can get to the rim really easily. But I I, I love Tyrese Proctor's game. It was it was arguably his best game of the season. One one quick thing also in the you know second half, Tyrese Proctor was very good about getting the ball in the post from wherever he was at the top of the key. And there's times where you have a passing angle where you want to get it to the wing and then try to entry pass into the post to either Ryan Young, Derek Lively, or Kyle Filipowski. But he was also doing it from the top of the key, which means he was seeing what the defense was giving him and reacting to it. And again, making crisp passes, not doing any turnovers. And it put us in a position where, you know, I mean, over the last couple of games, you know, we have had the situation where, we have been outshot by the other team by sometimes as much as 20 this time, you know, we had 66 uh, field goal attempts to Pittsburgh's 58. And that's largely in part because of the offense rebounds, but also it's because we weren't making turnovers in the second half. when We mounted that comeback. By the way, we did that. We outshot them, even though we were crushing them at the free throw line. Oh my God. You know, as much as anything, free throws may have been, you know, uh, one of the major reasons behind this Duke victory, we hit 23 out of 27 free throws, 85% on the season. Duke is now hitting almost 79% from the free throw line, 14th best in all of Division One. That's bonkers. That's just a crazy 79% of your free throws as a team is just crazy. And, and we needed them tonight. And on a team that is mostly freshmen, you know, I, the the most impressive thing when I look at this Kyle Filipowski, 11 for 13 from the line. Mark Mitchell, 6 for 6 from the line. Tyrese Proctor, 5 for 5 from the line. That is, that's some of the most encouraging stuff that I can see. Because when I look at this box score, and we'll talk about this when we switch to the bad, two-point shooting tonight, Duke is 46% from the field. Three-point shooting tonight, Duke is 22% from the field. Uh, all of the, yeah, all of the the quality offensive production was coming from the stripe today and nowhere else on the court so with that guys actually let's take a break uh we'll come back we'll talk about the bad and uh we'll also do uh we're not going to do player of the week we have not finished the week yet because i don't know what day of the week the week ends but it's not on wednesday monday so <laughs> so we're not going to do player of the week today but we do need to pick a play of the game so we'll come back we'll do the bad we'll do the play of the game so stick around We are back and we are talking about the bad from this Duke Pittsburgh game. Of course, a game that Duke wins, but uh, Pittsburgh is able to uh, to mount serious opposition, particularly in the first half. And guys, like I mentioned before, I didn't get to watch this, so I'm I'm doing this off of the box score. The thing that jumps out to me that I mentioned right before the break is is poor field goal shooting for Duke, both uh, you know from the field in general, but also from three. This has been a conversation all this season about. Duke's three-point shooting and how it hasn't come together consistently. Jaden Shute is still sitting on the bench for Duke. We haven't really seen much of him at all in any games that matter, so we we kind of have to assume that John Shire is seeing something in practice that's preventing him from inserting Jaden Shute, even though the three-point shooting is bad. Jason, can you tell me a little bit about the, the three-point shooting tonight and why it seems that even though we, we, we hear all the time that free throws are supposed to be a good indicator of of three point ability. We're seeing the free throws here. Where I, I see that Mark Mitchell went six for six from the line, but zero for two from three, and that's not uh, out of 
line for the rest of the play. I'm not, that's not me calling out Mark Mitchell. That's just an example. So yeah. what is it about Duke shooting in this game that continues to fluster this team? You know, the crazy thing about the three point shooting was early in the game, Duke was hitting their threes. Like we, we were just one of 11 on three pointers in the second half. And I think there was a stretch uh, that, that, that one, by the way, is by Jacob Grandison. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to mention it in the good, I thought Grandison had a really nice game. He played 21 minutes, and that that's the most he's played in like more than a month. Uh, and and with Whitehead not having quite as good a game as he's had lately, we needed more of Grandison. So sorry, tack that on to the good. But uh, it, I, Duke, I think, missed something like 10 three pointers in a row at one point during this game. Uh, you know, late in the first half, and and most of the second half, we we didn't hit any threes. Most of them are good looks. You know, they're taking the right shot. A lot of them were were plays where we really we we relocated the ball nicely to get an open three pointer. There were lots of threes that we took off of guys kicking it out from the post. This team should be shooting better from three. It's going to be a problem over the course of the season if we aren't better than this. I think it's kind of incredible that we scored seventy seven points by hitting while hitting just twenty two percent of our three pointers. I mean, it's scary to think what we would have done if we'd actually hit a decent percentage of them. I, I don't know the answer. I, it feels like these guys hit them in practice and just can't hit them in games because I don't see John Shire saying to Mark Mitchell, don't shoot. I don't see him tell, telling Kyle Filipowski, don't shoot. I don't see him telling Tyrese Proctor, don't shoot. Proctor hit his first, I think. And then, you know, all the others are misses. It's, it, it's, it's confounding. I, I don't have an answer. And, and I still, I still think we need to find a way to get Jaden shoot into the game. I do have an answer, at least from what I saw. This is an anecdotal answer from based on what I saw in the first half and, and even in the second half when it comes to shooting. What Especially for three-point land, it feels like their shot changes. And it's a very small change. And, and I, I'm, again, I'm not, not calling him out, but I'm going to take Jalen Blakes as an example. When he shoots a two, he has a nice fluid shot. But when he gets outside the arc, it feels like he's trying to arc it just a little bit more and his hit and his his shot actually comes off of his hand a little bit higher than it would if he was in the paint and it's almost as like hey i'm 25 feet out as opposed to 15 feet so i need to get more power behind it and because of it a lot of these guys are shooting long if you think about it Kyle Filipowski does the same thing he's not shooting at, like the same way inside the paint as he's doing outside the arc and because of it a lot of these guys are missing long and i I, I don't know what the fix for that is, if it's a mental thing or if it's something that the, the coaching staff, if it's a, a long trend, someone with better eyes than I can go back over the last few games and see if that's true. But I did notice that a little bit during this game that these guys were trying to, it seemed like they're trying to put more oomph in their shot and they were missing it. But I do think that contributes. Again, we, we talk about confidence. We talk about building momentum. These scoring ruts will come back to haunt you. And we've seen it in games before where these scoring droughts end up costing costing us a lot of time and a lot of points and a lot of opportunities to crawl back into the game, but it also costs us momentum, things that we can use to put a team out of reach. And the great thing, to flip it to a positive, the great thing they did in the second half is they put that scoring rut and they put that hex right back on Pitt because Pitt, I think, went like seven minutes in, the, in late in the second half without making a basket. And that was when they started crawling back into this game and started making shots. The, the first half, it was really Duke was not making their shots, and Pitt was. It wasn't energy. It wasn't 
lack of effort or anything like that. It was just they weren't making their shots. And even in Cameron, when you make a couple shots, you think you get a little momentum. They still had a scoring right at the end of the first half, and that's when uh, Pitt went on that 9-0 run to close out the first half, and everyone kind of said, wow, not again. Like that's that. So those scoring rates are going to really hurt momentum and hurt kind of that that psyche and i don't know what the answer is to to fix it but the more they limit those scoring droughts that's what's going to help them stay in ball games and eventually win them because i think they can shoot their way from the free throw line at the end if we're shooting 80 percent from the free throw line towards the end of the game that's tournament ncaa tournament stuff that teams fear because they don't want you ahead at the under four timeout because they're gonna have to foul to do that we need to be shooting better Jason, we noted that Duke far out-rebounded Pitt, uh, gave the Blue Devils a few more shooting opportunities and a lot more free-throw opportunities that ultimately were the difference in this game. But as I'm comparing box scores here, I see that Duke turned the ball over 17 times. Uh, Pitt turns the ball over 13, which I think is a little bit more you know, acceptable for, for a team that's fighting for an NCAA tournament spot. Turning the ball over 17 times at home is not good. What and and by the way, none of that comes from Tyrese Proctor, as we noted, and and he was the point guard in this game. So what was Duke doing that was causing so many turnovers tonight? We were dribbling into traffic and then losing the ball, and we just did it again and again and again in the first half. The other thing that happened a lot of was, and full credit to Pitt for this, Duke was, every time in the first half, it felt like that Duke attempted a long pass, you know, not a pass to the guy right next to you, but a pass a little bit further across the court, Pitt was getting at least fingers on the ball, you know, changing the course a little bit. Uh, Again, full credit to Pittsburgh for doing that. But man, the first half was unbelievably sloppy. I don't, I don't have the exact turnover number in front of me. I, I bet Duke was like 11 or 12 turnovers in the first half. Cause 12 in the first half, 12 in the first half. Okay. Cause the second half, we cleaned it up a lot. In fact, we, we had a couple turnovers late, but we went. There was a long stretch of the second half where we weren't turning the ball over at all, and every shot we missed, we were getting an offensive rebound. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to. We're in the bad, so I don't want to focus too much on on good stuff. But the turnovers in the first half were were egregious. Kyle Filipowski had way too many of them. Derek Derek Lively had a couple of them. Ryan Young, Mark Mitchell, like. It, all our interior passes were not working at all in the first half. And again, a lot of it was Pitt, a super experienced team that knows how to get in your way. But a lot of it was Duke just being the sloppy team that we've seen lately. This this Duke club, you know, the 17 turnovers amounted to 24% of our possessions. You cannot just give the ball away on a quarter of your possessions. It's kind of amazing to me, you know, again, we scored 77 points while committing 24% of our possessions as turnovers and only shooting 22% from three-point range. It's it's amazing. It's remarkable we won this game. Hat tip to my best friend Jeff for this, but our spacing was atrocious in the first half. Um, There's a lot of times where you had guys that were standing right next to each other. Jason, oh. you, mentioned, you mentioned the fact that we'd drive into the lane and Mark Mitchell or somebody like that would drive into the lane and end up right next to Kyle Filipowski or Ryan Young or Derek Lively, and then try to pass it to him. But at the same time, we all know this, right, Jason? If there's two guys standing in one place, you only need one guy to guard both guys. And that one guy ended up with the ball more often than not. And I think the other thing that also contributes a lot to our our turnovers is 
offensive fouls. And these guys, they have a tendency to drive lane. And yo, again, I like them going hard to the basket. I like them going hard to the rim. There was just one too many times where they would just take that one extra step before they would jump. And if they had come to a jump stop or somehow Euro stepped or something like that, they're avoiding a foul or maybe even getting the blocking foul instead of the charge. But a lot of those were made baskets that we had that were called back because of offensive fouls. And this wasn't like a Roger air situation where he was calling dumb fouls. These were legit offensive fouls. So we need to figure out a way to, to curtail that. At, at times, Donald, it looked like our guys were playing defense on our guys. The, the way our spacing yeah. was in the first half, it was terrible. And then you mentioned your friend texted you or emailed you or, or said something to you. I got during this game, I got no less than four separate texts or emails from friends who said, this is unwatchable. I'm turning it off. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. The number of people who were like, I cannot stand to watch. It, it was ugly, incredibly ugly offense. So that's it. I think from the bad guys, unless we have other topics that we need to cover here. I do have one, one more thing. I do think there was a good luck charm out there. Uh, my friend, Mark Hecker uh, just had a baby boy. And I was texting with him that, you know, hey, we're down. We need to do something. And he texted me a picture of his baby boy and he was asleep. And I go, hey, we're 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 taking the lead right now. This is right when we went on our run. Right when he was like, he just fell asleep. So shout out to to Mark, baby boy. You need to fall asleep for the rest of the season. You can wake up in April. But as long as this kid was asleep, we had momentum when we were driving. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's what, what needs to happen, but Everyone needs a good luck charm. And if it's a, a newborn baby going to sleep, then that's what it is. But I just want to really, really quickly say congratulations to my boy, Mark. So I, I did want to note, and I guess the bad is where this goes. We should tip our hat to Pittsburgh. They they played excellent ball. They were every bit a team that is going to be a contender in the ACC. I was amazed. I, I don't know if I could be a Pitt fan after watching this game, because they took so many bad shots that they hit. It was unbelievable. And and it was funny. Like, they were hitting them all in the first half. The, uh, Sam, if you look at the shot chart, like, the number of 17, 15 to 17 footers, contested 15 to 17 footers, step back 15 to 17 footers, that Pitt took and made was outrageous. Those, that's the worst shot in basketball. <laughs> it's a terrible shot. And I was like, God, they, they just did it again and again and again. And I didn't think about it till the game was over. I was thinking to myself while they were taking them, I'm like, they can't keep hitting those, can they? They can't keep hitting those. Well, there was a moment in the second half where they stopped hitting those shots. If you look at the the win probability chart, we we love to talk about it. At one moment in the second half, around, I think, the 12 or 13-minute mark, Pitt was very close to 80% to win this game. Four minutes later, I kid you not, in the span of four minutes, Pitt went from 80% to win to like 85 or 90% to lose. It was th- this game flipped so fast. It was unbelievable. I will say this final thing and this is kind of a positive. Hats off to our team. I, I mean, Pitt is a tough team. We talked about how tough they are. A Jeff Capel led team is always going to be a tough out. Uh but shout out to our guys for answering that bell when they were getting their bells rung late in the first half, early in the second half. They they came out and they exhibited their own set of toughness that you know, we've seen at parts of the season, but we really needed it tonight and shout out to them for bringing it because that's what can happen. If you exhibit that sort of toughness, you can come back from down 10, down 11 points, down 12, I think was the 
was the biggest lead that Pitt had during the game. And you can come back and win where people kind of, Sam could look at the box score and go, hey, this looks like something good happened. I mean, a lot good happened in the second half, but it was that toughness that they brought in the second half to to really get at and answer Pitt's, you know, haymakers that they were trying to throw with haymakers of their own. And luckily we, our guys were the stronger men on the night, but hats off to Pitt. They played a tremendous game and they're going to be tough down the stretch. In the time that we've been talking, we got two more uh, flip <laughs> flip the script uh, headlines from listeners. Right, so this is this is recording. That's not live. We're not like posting this anywhere yet, right? Like yeah, yeah no, people no, no, can't no. hear me. No, no, so. no this is this, this, no. We, we, Great minds we have not, light. We have not moved to uh, to live streaming yet. Uh, we did get also. I'm I'm less enthusiastic. I think about alliterative emails uh, or headlines than Jason is, but I do have to. Uh, give one up to Chris Immershine, who sent us terrific team tenacity, practical Proctor, fantastic Filipowski finishes, courageous, capable Pit Panthers. So that was good. That was that was good. It was tough to read, even, but that's uh, a lot of alliteration. It was good. I, so I liked that. Uh, uh, so guys, let's do very quickly our plays of the game, and then if we have any uh, if we have any final thoughts, we can share those as well. So if it's not apparently this Ryan Young play that I need to. Uh, uh, that I need to put on before I, I go do difficult things in my life. Jason, uh, was that your play or is it something else? That's one of the nominees. I also wanted to to mention there's a great play with about 11 minutes left where Derek Lively got a steal, got it out to Derek Whitehead, who fed, fed Tyrese Proctor for a three-point play. I think that was the play that started Tyrese Proctor playing great down the stretch. The thing I loved on that play was that Whitehead gave up the ball. He could have tried to take it himself and he recognized that Proctor had the better angle. But my play of the game, I'm going to go back to Whitehead. He had, with 13 minutes left in the first half, he had a jab step, step back three-pointer. That's like, I I can't even tell you how difficult a shot that is. I can't tell you how difficult it is to even get yourself in position to take that shot, let alone make it. This is a shot that like, there are probably maybe 10 or 15 guys in the NBA who even attempt this shot. It was, it was ridiculous. Whitehead didn't, he isn't, we've not spoken about Whitehead a lot. He did not have as good a game as he's had lately, but that one shot off the chain. That's crazy. That was my play of the game. And I already listed my two. It was the Ryan Young play, and it was also uh, the play where Derek Lively caught the ball underneath the basket on the fast break, tried to figure out a way to stay out of stay in bounds and pass the ball off to flip for the mega dunk uh, that basically gave us uh, the momentum and we never looked back. So I wanted to uh, add one more note this was an email that we got from a listener, but but I was aware of it ahead of time anyway. Uh, Jared Strauss emailed us to note that uh, on Monday night, Tyus and Trey Jones were starting against each other in the NBA, and uh, it was it was an amazing night for both of them. Uh, so Tyus was starting in place of John Morant, and uh, and uh, Tyus is as Jason I think noted in an email back to listener Jared. Uh, Tyus Jones is is rapidly demonstrating that uh, some team needs to make him a starting point guard because it seems I think he's he's happy. I think he's very happy backing up in Memphis, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, making good money, <laughs> you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll see how long that lasts because uh, sometimes it is it is cool to have have your own reins of the team. Oh, uh, by the way, the, it was noted by many folks that in that game, Tyus and Trey both led their teams in scoring, and people were like, "When was the last time?" two brothers led their led each of their teams in scoring while playing the same position against each other, you know, all that other kind of stuff. And, and I was like, I bet, 
I bet Seth and Steph have done it. And, and the reality is that they have, uh, I think it was like five or six years ago, Steph, Seth Curry and Steph Curry played against each other and each led their team in scoring. So it's been done I mean, before. They had that, they had that one game uh, just last year where uh, they both had like, they had a Seth Curry, they had a Curry meter uh, on ESPN because they were right. like, counting the points and it was equal until like maybe the last two minutes. And then Steph like lit, lit on fire as he normally does and had like 12 points in the span of 35 seconds. But yeah, it, th- that was cool. But la- I mean, the other night when the Tyus and Trey both uh, played well, they've been playing, you know, they've been two of those guys that have been just kind of glue guys for their teams. Like it, you mentioned that Tyus is really backing up job, but like, it's not like he, you know, yes, there's a drop off in the sense that there's job ja Morant and then there's Tyus Jones, but it, it's not like a huge, they play together sometimes too, by the way, and they, they play they, together they, they because play, they want of times, Tyus on the floor. Yeah. They want well, they want him on the floor, but also he helps you know relieve relieve some of the pressure from the ball handling uh, for John Morant to go do his thing. And so because of that, I think you know he may feel good about staying in Memphis, but he's earned himself a, a bigger paycheck than he's getting right now, and his paycheck isn't isn't small right now. So uh, he's been doing very well, and I think Trey uh, is going to stay in San San Antonio for quite a while. I think they really love him down there. So. That will do it for this show. We are trying to get into the habit of of doing separate episodes for recaps and for previews. So uh, we'll be back later this week to preview Duke's game on Saturday at Clemson. And most importantly for that game, Jason Evans will be in attendance uh, at Little John Coliseum. So we are looking forward to that. We'll be back in your feeds very soon to preview that game. It's another big one. We, we mentioned on the last show that... Pitt is one of the leaders in the ACC right now. Clemson is also one of the leaders in the ACC right now. So that they're the leader. They're undefeated. That, that yeah. is going to be that's going to be a fun one. So uh, stay in touch with us. We're loving the emails. DBRpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, headlines, favorite plays, whatever your observations are, we are we are trying to get through them all, which is which is a ton of fun for us. So for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 477 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Band, take us home.